0: One and four isn't the greatest start in the world. Luckily, we're facing another one and four team in the Chicago Bears this weekend. We're going to preview the game, talk about a few different interesting elements, including no Justin Jefferson for the next four games. But we're also going to talk about this offensive line. Listen, it's good. It's time to admit it, and it's time to stop uh, using old narratives to talk about this current group. Welcome to the Real Forno Show. Welcome to the
2: Real Forno Show by Tyler Bornis, the managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire, writer for the College Football Network, publisher of Substack Run-In Shooter, host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Soul.
0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a special episode of the Real Forno Show. Why is it special? The Twins are about to play baseball here in a couple minutes, so we greatly appreciate you joining us here tonight. My name is Tyler Fortis With me, as always, in the top right corner, his name is Producer Dave. Dave, how are you?
2: I'm doing okay. be doing better if the Twins pull this one out tonight and win.
0: I hope so, and... It was really frustrating watching the game yesterday. Well, one, it was cool that my dad came over and we had beers and baseball and beers go together like baseball and Cracker Jacks. I don't care if I ever get back, but it was frustrating in the sense that it was a very good baseball game. We just lost as in the twins. Like sometimes you just lose and it's not necessarily your fault. You just get beat by a better team, and it's not from lack of effort. And baseball is kind of weird that way because you can hit the ball incredibly well, and absolutely nothing happens. Like you, you, like slumps are weird like that. You can just hit the ball really hard, and they just make plays every single time. And let's put it this way: the pitcher yesterday was able to take advantage, uh, Javier, of the fact that they were playing at three thirty, and. Because they were playing at 3 30 p.m., you have this weird little tunnel of light that shines through, and the ball escapes there just enough time where it's harder to see. And that's why one of the reasons you saw the twins swinging at like all these weird pitches, like that, were just completely off the plate. Like that kind of stuff happens. But I'll tell you this the twins are going to play baseball, and we are not going to talk much about the twins today. I may comment here or there, but we are here to talk about your Minnesota Vikings. And Dave, this is a really interesting team one and four. And they've put they play the Chicago Bears, the Bears. And they're going to do so without Justin Jefferson. Um and I think that's where we need to start here. They made eight roster moves earlier on Wednesday, and one of them was placing Justin Jefferson on injured reserve. That means he's going to be out at least four games. There's speculation floated about by Adam Schefter that he he may not return at all this season. Like what's the incentive to return was kind of how he phrased his tweet or Z or whatever you want to call him, Elon Musk machine. But by reading it, and this is where like media literacy comes into play and just understanding little things that was explicitly leaked by Jefferson's agent. That was probably a copy and paste job. And Schefter has been caught copy and pasting multiple times. He's done it with reporters. He's done it uh, with agents. He's done it with players. And he was even caught sending a story to a former executive for the Washington commanders and asking, hey, is this good? And then for just forgetting to remove that piece like he Went from a real credible journalist to kind of just a hot takey expert dude. And people use them. That That's part of the game. You, I will put out what you want, and then you're going to tell me what I want later on. That's kind of the give and take. But those who are talking about Jefferson's not coming back, he doesn't want to be here. Don't read into it. He looked frustrated at the end of the game because he was hurt and he couldn't play. And he's a football player, so I don't think it's a, a anything really. We we'll, we don't even know right now how injured he is, how severe that hamstring injury really is. Because one with hamstring injuries, you got to let those things fully heal, or they're going to hinder you and hinder you and hinder you. Very easy to re-injure those. But we'll we'll see how it ends up kind of playing out here, Dave. Just because it's it's such a weird dynamic with the Vikings right now. They could use Justin Jefferson, obviously, but are they in a position where they want him to come back? And I think that's the question to ask because it's not that they don't want him back playing. He's better for business. He's better for the football team getting wins. But at a certain point, you just kind of pack it and say, hey, you know what? It's not working this year. We're going to try next year. If they go 0-4 in the next four games, do they keep Justin Jefferson on injured reserve?
2: Well, after four games is when he's eligible to come off, first eligible. They can mm-hmm. continue to keep him there. KOC today in his press conference was very elusive on the damage because it, he was asked point blank, what was the grade of the tear? And he mm-hmm. basically obf, obfuscated, no, that's wrong, um, around it and said, I'm not going to get into the degree, but it was serious enough that we put him on IR. Mm -hmm. even though he wants to come back. And I don't doubt that JJ wants to come back. JJ's a competitor. He wants to play. So if he feels great after four weeks, I'll bet he comes back.
0: Yeah, we'll see. And I think that's the part that's interesting. I don't think, and one thing we've talked about a lot on this is the Vikings will not tank. He won't. And one of the reasons why he won't tank it, they won't tank Dave is because it's not good for business. They don't believe it's the right way to continue and grow and build a football team. And you can end up, ah, uh, what what's the phrasing that I want to use here?
2: You could sabotage your system by doing that. Cause players won't, won't want to come to play for one.
0: Mm-hmm. You can there's a lot of things you can do. And I've I've completely lost my train of thought mainly because I, I don't know. I'm losing my mind, Dave. So <laughs> And it's only Wednesday. I I I did not get much sleep last night, let me tell you. Um Yeah, they may just make the business decision, hey, we're just gonna play it safe. And playing it safe is fine. Like, I have zero problems with it if you feel it's the best. But the difference between understanding it's not happening this year and tanking, that's where I was trying to get to. Understanding where it's going to happen and tanking are completely different things. And Judd just uh, wrote an article that I literally just published for Vikings Wire, where we're talking about potential uh, Vikings that could end up getting traded. Well, If you're going to get traded, it's a signal that, hey, we just understand this year's not happening. We're going to try and get assets for players that won't be with us long term. I kind of looked at a similar thing a few weeks ago, and we talked about it on the show. Um, And guys like Ezra Cleveland, Ezra's probably not coming back next year. Harrison Smith, probably not coming back next year. DJ Wanham, probably not coming back. Jordan Hicks, same thing. Like There are players that are talented. KJ Osborne's one of them probably not back next year. You look at all these different players who could end up with a, a bigger salary elsewhere in free agency. If They're not coming back. Why not try and get an asset for them? And it's not a, an instance where you're trying to tank. It is just understanding, Hey, this is where we are. And this is what we're going to try to do. We're going to try and maximize our winning window. And that winning window is not in 2023. It's in 2024. So hey, maybe you trade three guys and you get a fourth, two fifths, and a sixth. Like This is a hypothetical, okay? Then you can use those to maneuver in the draft and get players that you believe better suit your football team. Or you just draft more players. And I think that is what could be really fascinating. Where is Kweci Doffo going to look at this like a baseball team and that we started off the show talking about the twins. If you're 20 games back with 60 to go, you're, you're not going to be making the playoffs. So teams will sell off assets and the mo- most of the assets that they sell off players that have expiring contracts. And I think that's where the Vikings could end up going here. Um, Yeah, I think that's kind of where we'll end that. And I think, how the Vikings are gonna going to look at all these things is very interesting. As Eduardo Julian just ends up hitting a double, which heck yeah, great great start for the Twinkies, baby. Um, when will
2: those decisions be made?
0: They could come down to like the day of the trade trade deadline, which I believe is October thirty first. I think it's Halloween, and if you wait until Halloween to.
2: So after the Packers game. Yes, the Bears, Niners, Packers.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My guess is that with the TJ Hawkinson trade, they knew that they wanted to make a move, but they didn't necessarily say that he they're going to make this specific move until it was a lot closer to the actual deadline. And I think that's going to come to fruition again if they choose to make any moves. And I think that is... The caveat here, they may choose not to make any.
2: Plus, they need a market. They need a team on the other end that's willing to reciprocate and take mm -hmm. said
0: players. Yeah. And uh, that's part of it. And sometimes guys don't get their actual value because of those things, because it takes two to tango. Like, in theory, Kirk Cousins is worth a first-round pick, but who's going to give it to us? And will Kirk waive his no trade clause? And will a team that Kirk won't waive no trade clause for a- offer us more than the team that they won't? And I think all of those things can be true. Like It's it's a very complicated deal when you get two teams trying to make a trade. It's not always as simple as this guy is worth this, so you're going to get this in return. And I'm very intrigued to see what ends up happening with how Quasi is going to uh, approach this. Because it's it's very interesting. Um, we've never seen Quasey in a situation like this. He's obviously in his second year as general manager. He needs time to see if his plan is actually going to work, just like every general manager does. But we also don't know how he'll approach certain things. And this is one of those. Correct. Now, let's talk about da Bears because if i think if we, if we take if we talk any more about this trade deadline stuff as uh, those in the comments have mentioned i'm going to lose my train of thought and lose my mind again which look they're they're not wrong i'm running on very little <laughs> sleep and i'm, I'm trying my darndest here it's it's been a rough one but that's okay um <sighs> the bears very frustrating team to watch they've had a tumultuous tumultuous season um there were rumors about their former defensive coordinator who ended up resigning um their his house in Hallis hall which is their version of tco performance center getting raided but no actual word on why they were getting raided there's some black twitter stuff where rumors flying around but i'm not going to hash any of those out because you know what it's it's some pretty damning stuff. As Royce Lewis just hits his uh third home, fourth home run of the playoffs. Um, great stuff from the, the young man. Uh twins up one-nothing, baby. Let's go. But yeah, it's they lost their defensive coordinator. They were very suspect, or suspect isn't the right word. They were very careful about how they framed things and how they talked about it. It was like days later, they didn't like Matt Eberf, head coach, hadn't even addressed it with his team yet, of what was going on. So there there were some problems there, and the team has just not played well on an overall level. They did, however, play well this past week against the Commanders, where they put up 37 points and won 37 to 20. And it finally looked like things were starting to click. Now, how much of that was due to the Bears figuring things out, or how much of it was the Commanders' Not playing good football. I think it was a little bit of both. Um, The the commander's defense was allowing the Bears to do pretty much whatever they wanted. And the Bears really took advantage of it. And sometimes it's a give and take where you got to be able to take advantage of the opportunities that are given to you. And sometimes you have to create your own. I think the Bears looked really good on Thursday night. Now, is that going to carry over? Because they also looked good for a half against the Broncos. They're up twenty-eight to seven, and then they lost. Um, let's divert here quick because Patrick makes an interesting comment that he's had time and his playing clearly isn't working. I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's fair to say it's not working. It's nineteen months in. He got his his team set in stone, like his front office staff after. His first draft, which is commonplace. It's not, that's not a quasi thing. That's just an NFL draft thing where if you come in in January, you don't just start over with your staff. You run with the staff you have and then you make your changes afterwards because they are, have already gone so far in the process and starting over could be catastrophic for you, especially in terms of data collection. And the idea was like he even said so in one of his first press conferences it's like a three year plan. Like You want to stay competitive for both years leading up to that third year, but it's that third year where you can really get everything set in stone. And people don't talk enough about how Rick Spielman really set this team up to not be like in a great spot, salary cap-wise, aging veterans that were making a lot of money, and there were holes on this team. And I think Kwesi has done a relatively good job of patching it up and getting them to a point where they can be super flexible. Next next year, they have $55 million in cap space going into 2024. They only have 39 players on the roster. They have the ability to maneuver and, and add the players that they want slash need without having a lot of constraints on them. So the big thing with general managers is you have to give them to, uh, at least two to three years because that's when you can really see what their actual plan is if it's coming to fruition or if it's not. And I think over on an overall level and I'm not I'm not pointing at at Patrick here because I I I, th- I don't think he's doing this, but there's been some unfair criticisms of Quasey that just because of I I don't really know. That he's not a
2: football guy. He's not the traditional coming from that, scouting.
0: That's a good way to put it. Um, Yeah, he's he's different. And anytime somebody blazes a trail, and I think I'm not using this comparison as a race thing, but I'm going to use the comparison of Jackie Robinson. When Jackie Robinson blazed his trail, look at all the stuff he had to deal with. He had to deal with racism. He had to deal with people criticizing literally every single step he took. And because Quacey is blazing a trail of his own where he's really the first analytics minded general manager, not employed by the Cleveland Browns to get a job. Cause he doesn't have a football background. He has a stock market background. I think he's being criticized a little unfairly because Patrick says like they're one and four this year, but This process isn't a one year thing either. This is a, we're trying to build this team out for long term success. And we're trying to make like year one and two, they matter, but in the grand scheme of things, they don't because they want to win football games. And by winning football games, it's good for business and it's good for uh, camaraderie in the locker room, it's good for culture. But unless you're winning the Super Bowl, like 13 wins in year one with a first round X in the playoffs. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. What matters is, what is this team going to look like when he fully shapes his vision? When he has all of the time in the world, which he will after a third offseason, what's that going to look like? Where are we going to sit in terms of what the future is going to hold? Who's the quarterback? That's what it all boils down to. It's the quarterback. And he's having to fix a lot of issues especially salary cap wise. And you know what? That's why there's a lot of dead cap this year. And that's also one of the reasons why the defensive line isn't very good because he decided that, Hey, we're going to just kind of deal with a poorish defensive line. And we're going to fix all these cap issues right now. And next year, if they end up re-signing Hunter and cousins, they have like no dead cap next year, which is great. And, uh, mentioned in the comments uh, earlier, he got rid of pretty much the whole 2021 draft class. Um. Yes, I will also say that there are certain instances where you see a guy and you just know and NFL people will tell you this. Remember Randy Moss, his first game. We're like, whoa, we got something here. There is something real special about this guy. They didn't need three years for that. Sometimes you don't need three years to understand a guy stinks and when you have a new staff come in that has zero attachment or built in what's what's the word here? Um you don't have any like capital investment in these players. So they don't you have Quasi, I, I hear my dogs whining and I'm just making sure that they're that Eclair's not hurt. Um when you, Quasi didn't make all those third on picks. So if they, those third on picks come in and they all stink, which all the ones he cut were bad. They were bad. They weren't good enough to be on the roster based on the guys in front of them. So they cut them. And I think that's objectively fine. Whereas he has in investments in guys like Lewis and Andrew Booth if a new GM were to come in next year and decide that those two guys stink, they'll probably move on from them. Just like Quacey did from those third round picks. And like those, those can be equal and you need like the whole three year thing. Patrick's talking about, you need three years to really understand what a draft class is as a whole. But sometimes you just know a player's bad early on based on how they're playing on the field. And it's, it's tough. And Patrick, Kwesi is a hired decision maker. He understands how to identify talent. Probably not the at level of like a lo- like a long time scout, but he's gotten himself invested in the process and he understands how to identify players. But at the end of the day, he's a manager, a manager takes all the information from his or her uh, constituents, their subordinates. And They make the best decision based on that information. And that's what Quasi's job is. Um, I understand sometimes it kind of sounds like a contradiction where you need three years to fully assess a draft class and getting rid of guys in year two. But it's not always a... Like, is it the chicken or is it the egg kind of discussion? There can be some crossover and there can be some... Um, understanding and Patrick, I know you're not trying to attack. I, I understand that. I'm just th- these aren't just opinions that you are sharing here today. These are opinions that I've heard constantly across social media. Which I thought when you brought it up, I thought it was worth addressing and talking about um, because I think Quasi has been unfairly judged, and I think oh, Odie's whining. He's just being a dork. Um, but I'm going to check on him here in a sec. Look, I think you have to be patient with Kwesi. I also think that you have to be understanding and he's done a lot of good so far, but we don't know how he's actually going to fulfill his vision with, with a long-term answer. And I just think you can't say he's really good or really bad right now until we have a bigger picture, which is why, especially with looking at the GM, you need three years. Thank you. Purple pocket podcast. Thank you very much. That's Um, rap. Thanks a lot. You need three years to really understand a body of work. And I'm going to go check on Odie. What do you think, Dave?
2: I view it as every year a team turns over a quarter to a third of their roster across the NFL. doesn't matter which team it is. That's how much they turn over on average per year. If you take a third and you want him to totally rebuild the team, that's going to take three full years. And I count that first one, half of that or better, the bad draft, to Spielman's guys and the choices they made there. Now, did Kwesi, am I not holding him responsible what I thought was a very piss-poor trade when he traded down to the Detroit Lions? Heck no. I thought that was a horrible trade. Should have at least got a first in that, in that trade. But for combine, it usually takes three years to figure out if a player is good. It doesn't always take that place. We knew Kellen Mann was trash uh, pretty much right off the get-go once we saw him. There's... But you got to take that three years, and I would say, Kwayze not going to be on a hot seat until his fourth year. And I fully don't expect either Kwayze or KOC to be in danger of losing their jobs after this year. It would have to take major losing next year to go on top of this year to make that happen. But they're going to make it through to next year, whether you like it or not. Now after he hits the fourth year point, if they're still garbage and nothing's working out, yes, then you fire them. But this is, this is, there's no immediate fixes in the NFL especially when you don't have money to throw at immediate fixes in the NFL. If you had tons of money, yeah, you could try. You could buy the starting right guard that was in the Pro Bowl last year. You could do things mm-hmm. that you didn't have the ability to do with Quazy. Quazy had to get under the cap, and that left a little bit of money, and that's where he goes hunting for bargains in the bargain bin, and he's looking for upside That's why he takes people like Davenport, who has an injury history. I don't know why he drafted Booth with an injury history, but that was what they showed, or the scout showed, was the Mm -hmm. best available corner at that time, and he just happened to have injury history. So they took him, and you're hoping those guys hit and that they don't get injured. Unfortunately, that hasn't been the case. They are getting injured. Speaking of injuries, Jordan Addison popped up on today's injury report with an ankle.
0: Yeah, I'm not worried about the Addison thing. It sounds like they're not either, but I want to point this out with with taking guys with injuries. That's a calculated risk made by every general manager. Everyone does it. Take a look at Howie Roseman. There's a guy named Josh Sweat. They just gave a big extension to about a year ago. Taken in the fourth round was a first round talent. You wanna know why he was taking the fourth round? He had no cartilage in his knees. They were worried he wouldn't even make it through his rookie contract. Well, in the fourth round, okay, this guy's a first round talent. If he makes it three years, but if he gives us three great years, that's worth our risk. So they did. Well, he's in like year six or seven now, and he's playing really good football. That's that's fine. And each individual is you have to look at it in its own, not in a vacuum, but in its own specific instance, where Andrew Booth, yeah, he tore his patella, and he played all throughout college with a sports hernia, but he played through it. He played all three years, didn't miss time because of that injury. They just said, you know what? We should get that fixed. Like, I, I don't even buy the whole injury thing with Andrew Booth because he's had that, and then he had the... He, he had the meniscus like he's had three injuries over the course of what? Eight years. Like to me, that's not that bad. And to my knowledge, the patella and the meniscus are not related at all. So you can't say, hey, he injured his knee once and then he injured it again. It's not like player tears his ACL and then he tears his ACL again. So like, even though he had injuries, I wouldn't call him injury prone it hasn't worked out less for injuries more that he's, he hasn't been playing well and he hasn't been trusted by the staff. And I think the staff change really hurt him. I think it really hurt scene and awesome. And I think I've said it on the show before. My theory is that they aren't playing because they're not just aggressive. Dave, they're too undisciplined with how aggressive they are because in an aggressive defense, you have to be very disciplined because if you screw up in an aggressive scheme, that can kill you more than a conservative one. So I think that's why they're not playing because they're too aggressive and too undisciplined because of that. And I don't think it has anything to do with injury. It's it, it's a tough one because would you rather give $13 million to a guy like Marcus Davenport who might have an ankle injury here or there? but plays at the level of like a Daniil Hunter, which he has been doing during his first uh, three games with the Vikings? Or would you rather give $13 million to a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, who's fine? Not great. He's fine. Like, And that's kind of the risk you play have to take.
2: Worth a damn against the run.
0: Mm-hmm. In that scheme, he had to, and he wasn't a- able to. I think he'd be better in this one. That's a whole another story. You have to take calculated risks. And has it worked out? Yes and no. But you have to remember general managers bad about 300. The great ones bad about 400. It's hard. It's a hard job. And I think we need to give him a little bit more grace as a general whole. And I'm not going to single anybody out saying you are, or you aren't, but as a whole, the masses that I talk to and that I see on social media aren't giving him enough grace. They gave it to Rick for a long time, no matter how many boo-boos he made. But Quasey, not even after, not even two years in, like a year in, they were like, fire him. I, I just don't think that's fair.
2: Part of that is societal and everybody wants everything right now. Yep. And they want fixes right now.
0: I agree. I agree completely. But let's move on, Dave, because this Bears team is going to be interesting. But one of the things that I really wanted to talk about today, and I have, I asked you to line up clips for me. And I want, I want to talk about Ed Ingram. Ed Ingram is very good. Um, he is PFF's 18th-ranked guard in the entire NFL right now, and he's showing improvement week after week. And I, I picked out a few plays. I wrote an article on Vikings Wire earlier today where I broke down multiple plays of his and I explained the why behind it and why he was, he was improving and what he was doing. And we're going to break a few of those down here live on the show.
2: Um, 16th ranked out of everybody that's played at least 50% of the snaps
0: mm-hmm. and 18th ranked out of everybody's played at least 20, um, mm-hmm. uh, Mateo. I don't think Evans had concussions in college, but, um, I might be wrong on that. I don't think he had that, but if that's out there, then I'm wrong. Um, But all right, let's talk about Ed Ingram. You're going to get some film breakdown. You excited, Dave? Round bellies. Oh, yeah. I love it. All right, let's pull up the first clip. Let's have some. Let's have some fun, guy. He likes to be a knockout puncher in boxing, and that is less engagement and more of I'm just going to boom, get you right in the mouth and get you off balance, and then I can take advantage and be able to drive you into the ground or away. But that doesn't always work, and that's not an approach you can always use. With a player like this. You have to be able to do some of the other things too. And I think he's really growing in that aspect. Where he's doing different things. And. I like that. I like that a lot. Mateo mentions that every game. Ingram does good we lose. I think that is. That's just a coincidence. And I don't think you can read anything into that. I just think. Like, the offensive line played, I thought, really well against the Chiefs, and they lost. Like, It's about what you do when you have that protection. That is, that's important here. All right. Any comments on that play, Dave?
2: No, I liked it. Now, Grandizer says muted. Didn't you hear Tyler talking over the tape? If not,
0: I can check I'm settings. I'm wondering if they think that the tape was the tape muted. is mu- the tape is muted.
2: There's no audio on the, on the film clips.
0: Yeah. Um, Dave might as well check the settings right now just to be on the safe side. Oh, oh, they didn't hear. Okay. So yeah, go ahead and check the settings. So basically that whole play, I'll, I'll kind of, uh, um, Fix my diatribe there. The whole idea of that play was you have Chris Jones trying to attack and use his hands. But Caleb Williams, sorry, there was Caleb Williams talking in the chat. But what Ed Ingram does is he prevents the hands from actually engaging. So if the hands don't engage right here, there's not a whole lot Chris Jones could do other than I'm going to run around you. So here's Chris Jones's hands. Ed Ingram's just slapping them away just getting him down and preventing him from actually engaging. And that element is such a big deal. When you talk about the offensive line play, because if the hands don't engage, there's nothing you can do. Like the defensive line just done. Well, David said, I'm clearing my throat and the twins, by the way, are tied at one right now. Um, and, it's a good football game. Sorry, baseball game. Um. Yes, Sarah, I am taking away the O line blame game. They are a lot less to blame than ever before, and let's talk about that. Um, grandizer. Um, I will be doing that uh with the next one. Dave is fixing the settings on our uh on our streaming to, software.
2: I have to do it every time I click one.
0: Okay. So um yeah, the there's a narrative around the offensive line. And the big thing with offensive line play is it is a reputation based position where if I know that you're good, those guys make the Pro Bowl year after year. And th- that's why you'd be like, oh, he's had a down year, but he's still making the Pro Bowl. Why? Name recognition, name value. That matters a lot here. And that's why like, the narrative is so easy. Oh, the Vikings offensive line isn't good. No, it's playing well, and that's why I, wa- I really wanted to write that article and talk about it here tonight, because I want to dispel some of those narratives. I want to educate and inform and let everybody know, hey, they're actually playing good football, and I think that's important here. Like Sometimes you have to, and I've talked about it before, and not as a um, as an elitist thing or an arrogance thing, but... That's why I say go watch the all 22 because you're going to see so much more of it. And I'm not better for anybody else because I've watched it, but I do feel like I'm more informed because I've watched it and you guys can go do the same thing. NFL plus go watch it. Go watch it. Um, Our line coach sucks. Oh man. Mateo. I disagree. I think, I think Cooper's done a really good job, but that's a discussion we can have another time because we have three more clips and then we're going to get everybody out of here to go finish watching the twins game. It's still one, one, but they pulled Joe Ryan after two innings. I think that was a planned thing. I feel like this is a bullpen game for the twins. So Dave fire up clip number two. This is an interesting one. And the reason why we're talking about. As you can see in the clip and you're going to see it better with the end zone view. He gets pushed back by Chris Jones. Okay, so 67 just off to the right of the snap gets pushed back. But look at how Ingram stands up and eventually gets his foot anchored in the ground and gets those hands under the shoulder pads because he gets the hands under the shoulder pads. He essentially stopped him and it doesn't end up mattering because there's a blitz off the outside that gets the cousins and cousins has to throw it. But I thought that this was an important rep to discuss. Okay, because you get Ingram and he anchors. And because he anchors well, he, he does get pushed back. It looks like a loss, but because he doesn't actually allow him to get to the quarterback and he, he finishes that anchor, it is a win. Big thing with offensive line, as Dave will tell you, is the whole goal is to lose slowly. You're going to lose because it's offensive line. You're trying to prevent somebody from attacking. It's, it's tough. Um And he doesn't actually let Chris Jones get all the way to the quarterback. And he does get that full anchor set. That's good. That's a really good play by Ingram. You'd like him to win that a little sooner, but you're not going to complain about the fact that he won. And that's why I wanted to talk about it because I think it's plays like this. People are like, oh, Ingram got destroyed. Well, I mean, he lost some ground, but he ended up finishing the rep. So I wanted to share that because that's where some of that context of watching live versus watching the film can be a little different. And why I always encourage everybody to go seek out the film with NFL Plus, because you can you'll be able to see those things and look at it and be like, okay, that makes some sense. I get it. Yeah. um, Oliver completely missed that blitz. That was a very poor pickup. I I'm not sure why. Um, But yeah, he he had a rough game, but he did have some kick-ass blocks later and we'll talk about that Dave Let's get the next clip up because there's two more. I want to talk about and One is a very interesting one. So he using momentum to your advantage. Okay, so when you watch this rep You're gonna be looking at Ed Ingram. He's taking on a blitzing linebacker. Leo Chanel Chanel uh ends up uh, like attacking straight on, and then he loops around Ingram, and Ingram just uses his momentum to his advantage. So Chanel is drifting towards the center, and Ingram's just like, okay, and just pushes him that way. Doesn't try to get in front of him, just like, okay, you're gonna go that way. All right, I'll send you that way. And those little nuanced details matter. It matters that you have the awareness and are able to think on your feet that quickly to be able to understand that and then just push him away. And Chanel is nowhere near Kirk when he throws the ball. He gets it out to Jefferson in, in the flat. Jefferson gets a first down and it's an easy third down conversion for the Vikings. Those things matter. And it's not always about getting a huge chunk play. It's not always about being able to take advantage of teams down the field. It's about able, being able to execute. And doing the right things every time. Ingram does that here. And you see plenty of instances of that. And I'll be honest. We're going to have one more play here. Um, We will... I don't have any of his poor plays. So this is the next play, okay? This is one I wanted to talk about. It's not just an Ingram play. This is a team play. Look at this pocket. Pause it. Scroll back just a little bit, Dave, because I want everybody to see how good this pocket is. It's clean. He's got nobody in his face. No pressure. Just a great, clean pocket for Kirk Cousins. You can't ask for better than that. Ingram does his job. Actually, he doesn't have a job, and this is relatively common for guards. They uh, they sometimes just don't have anybody to guard. So what do they do? They go find work, and you can see right there with Brian O'Neill blocking in the bottom right. Ingram just goes and attacks the defender because that's what that's his job. If there's nothing for me to do, I need to go find something to do. He did that all throughout college, and I liked that. It hasn't stopped in the pros. Sometimes that happens where you're great at something in college, but you're not able to kind of continue it moving forward. Well, Ingram has, and it's been really good to see that it's continued in this pocket. This pocket's beautiful. If he is, if cousin stays patient for another second, you can see KJ Osborne coming open on a dig route straight ahead. And they could have gotten that and they could have gotten a bigger gain. But Cousins decided to not try and attack downfield. He took the check down. And this is one of the reasons why Cousins has been frustrating because if he can anticipate just at a normal level that he could really play up to his potential, and that's all we've ever asked of him. We're not asking him to be Mahomes. We're not asking him to be Josh Allen. We're asking him to be Kirk Cousins. Just play up to Kirk Cousins' level. And yeah, I... I wish that we were able to take advantage of some of those clean pockets because there was quite a few of them. And overall, this offensive line is playing well. And I think the narrative of them not playing well, I think we need to get it out of our heads and judge each game on its own individual merits and not have any preconceived notions. The preconceived notions are why I think people think this offensive line unit is bad. And I, I don't think that's fair. I get it. But my goal here is to try and educate you with all the information that I have. And with the information I have, this offensive line unit is good, Dave. And I think those clips really emphasize some of that, especially that last one. There were clean pockets throughout that game where Cousins was able to um, maneuver easily. Now, Spagnuolo got to Cousins. He had some really cool blitzes and some interesting like pressure schemes where he was like stunting guys and moving guys around on the defensive line. But overall, I thought, this was a very good performance by the offensive line, and overall, I'm I think we should be very excited about this group that we have moving forward.
2: Yeah, and they're going to do or should do nothing more than improve. So, mm-hmm. and right now, everybody's seen the PFF rankings and everybody else. It's it's a good offensive line. It just happens to be that when they fail, they tend to fail spectacularly. If you want to put it that way. And mm-hmm. for O linemen, it's. He said, it actually isn't, you got to win the rep, it's you can't lose the rep. If you're not losing a rep, you're winning. And it's that Mm -hmm. simple. And if it backs, you know, if he gets backed up, but holds on still two, three yards in front of Kirk, he's won that rep. His guy did not get to Kirk. And that's generally the way you evaluate it. Did his guy get or disrupt the play? The answer is no. Old lineman won at that point. So we'll see. Now, the problem that Ed seems to have had, especially is to deal with stunts and loops. Part of that is blocking call, what was called. If it's a 5-0 where it's mano y mano you got the guy in front of you, you take that guy in front of you and you take him out of the play. Somebody loops in around, that's not your responsibility. That's the back's. Mm-hmm. but we're curious on what are those plays we're called where the rules are. You move your guy out of this cone, but if somebody else comes in in this zone, you float out there and you get them instead. That's that's the part we don't know. We do not know what blocking schemes are being called on the line. Now I can guarantee you if there's a man per each offensive lineman lined up right across from them, that's a 5-0. That means... One guy on one guy, one guy on one guy, and that's their blocking scheme. They're going to be called beat the guy in front of you, and however you do that, the back or whomever is to pick up the the other anybody else coming around. So, mm-hmm. but it's just yeah. not to lose. As long as your guy doesn't disrupt the play, you win. Now we all love mm-hmm. seeing pancake blocks and devastating and. Luke Braun putting out his, you know, weekly watch Christian Derisaw put people on the turf tapes. But
0: if Yeah, you, I I love saw His film is so hilarious. But
2: No, that's good. But let's the Bears. How do you think this game's gonna go? Are we gonna see good Justin Fields?
0: I think we'll see an improved Justin Fields. I think we'll see um, Justin Fields that is better than the first two games. First two games are abysmal. I think, I think he, he'll see the field better. I'm curious to see how Kevin, or sorry, not Kevin O'Connell, but Brian Flores attacks him, how he blitzes, and how they're going to try and take advantage of some of the things that he does well and that he doesn't do well. And handling pressure is not something that he's known for. So I'm very curious to see how that ends up working out. And I want to see what that looks like. Um, This is going to be a very interesting game. And I loved, absolutely loved Fields coming out of college. But this is the pros. And he's got to really take a step forward to really have any kind of trust going into next season. Um, from anybody, the Bears or somebody else. Because the Bears have a decent shot at the number one pick and it's going to be hard to say no to Caleb Williams or Drake may whichever one you want. And yeah, we'll we'll end up seeing how, how that goes down, but that's going to be the show. Um, We didn't get to as much uh, bears talk as I thought we were going to, but I think we had some good conversations about quasi. We had some good conversations about uh, Justin Jefferson and Ed Ingram. And I think that, Overall, it's a good show. And I greatly appreciate everybody sticking around. Um, Twins are still tied at one after the third inning. My doggies are happy as clams. Well, they'll be happier when mom comes home in 10 minutes, but uh, I don't have them in the office anymore. I can't do it. I just can't do it. Um, (laughs) But we will be back when anytime breaking news happens and we're available. We will be doing live shows in random times and once draft season starts there's going to be more film breakdowns and more conversations and a lot more videos in the off season because there's a lot less for me to write about which means there's a lot more time for video and <laughs> we're always up for that this is going to be an interesting game if the vikings lose there's going to be a look if you don't like the tank talk it's not going to slow down if uh, the vikings lose this game and it's going to be tough um, I recommend that you stick here because we're not ever going to say we should tank, but we may talk about, hey, can you solve some assets and can you try to maximize and get longer looks at guys? Trade Harrison Smith, maybe just throw out Lewis Seen because you, you've already said, hey, the season's not going the way we want it. Let's just see what Scene has for fake games and see how we can play and see if he's going to be worth really investing our time in moving forward. I think that's the route that we have to take with it. Not necessarily tanking, but understanding who guys are and how we can maximize them moving forward. Um, also, one last thing before we go. Don't forget, two old bloggers. Saturday afternoon, 4 p.m. Central Time, um, the officially unofficial pregame show. And not next Monday, but the week after, we'll be having a real forno show right before the Vikings take on the... San Francisco 49ers and we will be the officially unofficial pregame show that week because well, <laughs> it's literally right before the show and we'll also be live or at the two minute warning of every single game. Don't forget. We also have subscriptions for the YouTube and it is the easiest way to um, give us a little bit of love and share or um, support the show. Or you could do what, um, um, Mm -hmm. wrapped it earlier by doing a super chat and just um, paying however much you want in the super chat. So thank you guys. Some whiskey. Yes. Um, I still have barely drank any of this whiskey because I keep forgetting to take it downstairs. And at this point, it's just becoming a bit. So I'm just going (laughs) to keep it up. Um, Thank you very much for joining. Thank you very much for listening on the podcast feed. If you don't subscribe to the podcast feed, please do. If you don't subscribe to the YouTube channel, please do. Anything you do with reviews, ratings, comments, it helps us continue to grow and boost the algorithm. And those are all things you can do without spending a dime. And we would greatly appreciate it. From Dave, go ahead. Speaking of podcasts,
2: here later this week, we recorded today, who will be ging the NFC North show. It will be coming out. And then tomorrow, pay from Da Bear Claw podcast joins me. And we're going to talk, we're going to split it, sort of like Locked on Vikings does, where I host half and he hosts half, and we're going to be talking about the game on Sunday and get it live in person from a Bears reporter to see how well they do. That will be coming out later this week, too, probably Friday, maybe Saturday morning. But you'll have it as well. But the only place you can find it is on the podcast feed
0: which you can find mm-hmm.
2: on any of your favorite aggregators.
0: Yes. And with that being said, Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings.
2: Like, subscribe, and ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community. that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornes and myself, Dave Stefano, Thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show.
0: School everyone. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is the deal. Each week your us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
2: This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.